guys, I'm Rachel and I'm the host of The Melanin Connect. It's a new podcast. We're brand new based out of DFW. So that's Dallas Fort Worth for those of you who are not from Texas, which is the best state ever. But anyways, Melanin Connect is associated with Fit29 and Fit29 is a health and wellness brand for women of color. And it focuses on just basically inspiring women to live healthy, lifestyles and also just bringing in beauty and wellness into the atmosphere too because really what really got me started with Fit29 was that when I would go Google black women working out I would literally have to struggle to see images that I thought represented me and my friends and other people that are within my community and so I wanted to start putting out more content as far as articles go and just different Instagram posts and YouTube videos that represent what I feel are black women taking care of their bodies and just living their life to the fullest and also being healthy, of course. So that kind of made me want to create the Melanin Connect, which brings different women and men together that have different brands and just connect each other because together we can do so much more than we can alone. So on today's episode, <laughs> wow, I just sounded so country when I said that. Let's try that again. On today's episode, I have Raina Scruggs of Queen Rain Crafts. She is a math teacher, and she also is my little sister. And so today, she's going to talk to us about getting rid of that student loan debt. So thanks for being here, Raina. Of Glad course. you're here. Glad to be here. So let's just get right into it. What... What are your thoughts on student loan debt and how were you able to knock your debt out? And also, how long did it take you to knock that out? So that's three questions right there. Yeah, definitely a loaded question. <laughs> um, to answer the first part, my opinions on student loan debt, I do feel like if you are, you know, uneducated about just like financial wellness and like financial information, period, how banks operate, you know, what an interest rate is what your long term is, like just different things like that. If you don't know, then I feel like that is definitely going to be a kicker because any like bright eyed 18 year old student, they can, you know, want to go to the college of their dreams. But if money's an issue, I'm sure they would jump at the chance of a bank, you know, offering them money, but not knowing what all comes with it. So I think it can be scary if you don't know how to um, deal with it. But I also think it is an investment, in my opinion. So if you do have a good plan to pay it back, if you do, you know, know that you're actually going to, of course, use your degree or find another way to make some money to pay it off, then I do feel like, you know, it is an investment. It's not necessarily negative. And, um, you know, it can be dealt with in the right way. Okay. What was the second question? The second one, you can actually answer it last because it it's more lengthy. So let's jump to the third question. And it was, how long did it take you to get rid of your student debt? So it took me... From the time you finished school till when you were debt-free. So I graduated December 2016, and I paid it off technically December 2019, but really January. So I'll say just three years. Okay, nice. And then really this is going to get into the meat of things because I'm sure there are other people trying to figure out how in the world am I going to get rid of my student debt? Corona doesn't have me working right now. So what am I going to do to get rid of my student debt? So how did you 
tackle that on your on your own. Okay, so the number one thing that I did and that anybody should do if you have student loan debt or really any like kind of debt, you know, credit card debt, if you have, you know, health, um, I wouldn't even say health, like laser, <laughs> laser hair removal is one of my debts. Um, <laughs> it's like miscellaneous then, literally expenses. Literally miscellaneous, if you have like a mortgage payment, um, literally any type of debt, the number one thing I would do is know like one, how much it is, how long do I have to pay it off? What is the minimum payment and what is the interest rate? Okay. Those are the four key things I would look at first. So I say what is the minimum payment just because you always want to pay more than that. And I'll get into that a little bit later. So the first thing I did, aside from knowing like what my loan term was, I also created a life size like loan payment mountain. Mm-hmm. So what that means is I literally like drew a pyramid almost like a mountain in my opinion and I would literally every time I reached like a different target. like checkpoint or target I would shade it in until I got to the top of the mountain. And so I could visually see my progress and I did definitely think that was important because if you just see a big lump sum of money but you don't see the progress you're making towards it then it can almost be defeating that makes sense so after you made your target goal and you had mentioned earlier your miscellaneous debts how how did you use those other debts to help get that student debt down yeah so I've read a lot of books um definitely broke millennial was a great one there's also another book it's Dang, it's like the six, it's called the six week money challenge. And I heard about it through the Bible app, actually. It was a part of a Bible Bible app. Yeah, it was part of a (laughs) Bible plan I did. And uh, the Bible plan was so good that I had to buy the book. And it was phenomenal. It was literally only like $12, I think, um, on Amazon. But one of the things the guy said in the book, he's like, um, people always ask, is it better to pay the biggest amount or is it better to be- pay the one with the highest interest? And so he had said the one with the highest interest. So how I was able to tackle like the big student loan debt, I actually ended up paying off like my small things while I was paying the student loan debt. And once I finished the small payments, all I did was like the snowball effect. So I didn't consider the money I now did not have to pay as money in my pocket. I literally took it and then put it towards my big debt. So every time you got paid, instead of spurging on like nails or like getting your hair done, you immediately paid off your debt. No, literally. So one of the things... But do you think that's something that is easy as millennials to do? Oh, no, it's not easy at all. Especially with Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, because our culture is kind of the keep up with the Joneses culture. Like we live... In a society of social media, in like the age of comparison, people always want to have and wear and just like travel and, you know, spend their money. But in our family, I can say like my mom, she had a financial background from college. And she worked uh, for the FDIC for a little bit out of college. Um, and she basically kind of raised us to where, and it's biblical, actually, if you do your research. Like, you're supposed to owe no man. Like, if you owe money, you are literally a slave to the lender. And so um, I good, never good wanted to, like, feel like I literally owed money. And so for me, I, again, if you do not have a safety net, 
this is kind of a different conversation, but I was in a position to where I knew I could stay at home. I knew I didn't have to like waste money on rent and I was able to actually live well beneath my means because I had a lot of stuff covered for me. Um, some may take that as being spoiled. I just take it as being like in a position that I'm blessed and where so my parents... So let's actually get into that. So staying at home. A lot of millennials think that staying at home is just the bane of their existence. Well, see, I think the opposite. I think more of us are actually staying at home just because back in the day, I feel like our parents' generation, they were urged to, you know, like once you finish high school, like you're out, like you either need to join the army, you need to go to college, you need to make your own name. But I feel like... Nowadays, mm, I, don't, we're I don't necessarily agree. I feel like maybe within your friend group, but I think if you look at like the spectrum of millennials as a whole, which is not just like 24, but like the 26 is because 34 is still considered a millennial. They're not living at their parents' house. They're, they have their own apartments, houses, condos, etc. So for those people, would you say? Well, then, yeah, I feel like they wouldn't want to live at home. Because honestly, my year 95, me and my friends had a debate about this. We're like literally on the like the border of yeah. Gen Z. Exactly. So sometimes we we consider, or Brayden, one of my good friends, he said it perfectly. He considers himself a Gen Zennial. Because we're literally like, could be both. Like you barely make the cutoff. <laughs> honestly. Because I think 1996 yeah. might be it. So I feel like a lot of millennials do kind of look at staying at home as like, oh, I'm going backwards. But really, it can be to their benefit because you can save money, like you said, on rent. Yeah, because I feel like if you're paying rent, you're almost just literally throwing money away, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, Unless you're doing it because you have a close commute to your job or something. Close to work. And I know some people just like to live on their own, which by all means... I'm sure if I had the money, I would too, but I knew I didn't, so I chose to stay at home to, you know, become debt-free and financially free. So I did live well beneath my means, and when I say that, I don't mean that, like, lightly at all. Straight out of college, I ended up going on the path to become a teacher, and so I started off being a teacher assistant at an elementary school in Arlington, and so what that meant for me was literally I was making about $850 a month. And so out of that $850... As a teacher or a teacher's assistant? Teacher's assistant, yeah. Let's get that out there. Teacher's assistant. I'm making about (laughs) a little, like, well over $4,000 a month. But, uh, what's it called? Um, Yeah, so I was making $850 a month. And to put that in perspective, I literally took $750 of it and paid it towards my loan. So, so basically, each month you had a hundred dollars to you, <laughs> literally a hundred dollars to live off, and I was paying my dad like for my, our phone bill, so yeah. not even a hundred dollars. But one thing also, I was paying a little bit on it in college. My um, grandma helped me out, my mom helped me out, and then like as a college graduation gift, my auntie she gave me like a thousand dollars towards it. But aside from that. Once I got out of college, I was paying on it by myself. So really, you kind of just lucked up, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, essentially, because everyone like let's let's keep it real. Everyone does not have this sort of upbringing to be able to just have Granny and Amy and Mom giving towards your student loan debt. So mm-hmm. for those who don't have the opportunity, I do think it's important for them to take your point of immediately pay off 
what you can. Yeah. Because there are some that they don't have the luxury to live at home. They do have to live out on their own. So Yeah, and there it's definitely manageable if you don't want to pay it off as quickly as I did. You can also, I would say, um, like I was talking about the minimum payment, definitely try to put more than the minimum payment just because interest literally will sneak up on you. So like I said, I only borrowed 42000 but if I were to wait to pay, it would have been well over like $50,000. Right. Just because interest, you know, you have to account for that. So um, honestly, as I was making my payments, if I were to pay the minimum payment, my, um, the, the loan company, they literally kept mailing me letters that were saying, okay, so your first payment is like literally right before I paid it off. They told me that my first payment was not due or no, that the loan did not have to be paid off until the year 2029. Which is in nine years. <laughs> I waited nine years. How much would how you much have had to have paid? Like I wish I, I wish I could calculate it right here for y'all, but I can only imagine how much I would have had to pay back. And just because, you know, if you have to wait to pay it off, still at least pay the minimum. And if you can't, if you can pay more than the minimum, it'll go by much quicker. Right. So, again. And then I, also extra money. So, if you ha- are in the position to where you have extra, extra money in. you get, yeah, definitely put it towards the loan. Don't count it as money as you're in your pocket. If you come upon $20 in the parking lot, put it towards the loan. If you're getting your income tax, put it towards the loan. This little refund we're getting, or not refund, relief. We're that was our money COVID to begin 19. with. <laughs> that literally, literally is ours to begin with because we pay it into the government. If um, that twelve hundred, funky twelve hundred dollars, put that towards your rent, put it towards your loan. Yeah. So in short, basically, you would say if you don't have the luxury of like your family to be able to help you out, um, you said pay that minimum and a little bit over. Yes. Start with the minimum payment, but always pay more. Keep in mind of your interest rate. And then definitely live well beneath your means. So even if you can't, if you're paying rent, there are things you can live without. Like eat at home for a month, however long you think you can. Go without getting your nails done. Go without maybe extend the time that you get your hair done or extend the time between haircuts if you're a man. And then there's just different things that you can definitely live without. To cut back on expenses. You also had said you made this pyramid chart that helped you track your progress. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really important because when you are able to actually see what you're doing and where your money is going, I feel like that helps you feel like, you know what, I'm really like getting somewhere with this. My debt's going down. Yeah. And when you see those checkpoints, you can also, um, one of the things the book said was to reward yourself. So you don't have to wait till you get down to zero dollars. But I knew when I was halfway that I was going to reward myself. And then a couple of checkpoints along the way, I did too. And then, of course, you can change it up because circumstances happen. For instance, we're in a global pandemic. Um, There were a couple times when I was paying that I would pay less certain months, but then I would, like, ramp it up other months. Like, for instance, during the holiday season, I wanted extra money to give um, nice gifts, so I wouldn't pay as much to the loan, but... Um, for Christmas. Yeah, nice. around okay. that time. But, I was like, what? <laughs> but for different uh, months where I knew I wasn't going to be spending a lot of money, I was able to pay more of those months. Okay. Well, that 
is such great information and we are so appreciative of you letting people know how you were able to get rid of your student debt because like you said when you owe somebody you're literally a slave to the lender (laughs) and I will put all this information I want to you know we have a lot of free time in this quarantine I want to make like an e-guide not even necessarily e-guide but just like a mini book not a chapter book or anything but literally short sweet simple steps to tackling debt and becoming financial free because honestly student loan debt is a kicker but I eventually want to be like completely debt free like oh not a thing because my car will be coming up next and then um you know just credit card debt here and there but yeah so be on the lookout for that right now I'm just rambling my thoughts but that will be (laughs) no plug plug yourself in plug it in yes that will be more straight to the point what you need good checklists and stuff that you can take to get it done. And then another shameless plug, I did start Queen Rain Crafts. Yes. So Queen Rain Crafts is just a, you know, it's kind of like a outlet for me. So I am a teacher, like she said. Um, I'm very, have to be very organized in that, very like matter of fact in that. And so Queen Rain Crafts is just a way for me to make some money on the side, hopefully. And even if I don't, it's just a way for me to, you know, just get my right brain flowing because I do operate a lot of my left brain at school. And then um, it's just, you know, kind of like a fun hobby. So I will be making different things. I've already made some wine glasses, some coffee mugs, DIY canvas art. I have made some actual wine tumblers as well. So anything that can be customized personalized if you have any sayings any monograms just we will definitely tell them to hit you up on your ig at clean rain crafts and all of that will be listed on on the on the podcast description so again guys this is the melanin connect hopefully with COVID 19 i'll be able to just have some call-ins come through of different people that i feel like you guys want to hear from i know i really want to interview someone to discuss Yanni Pearls. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but that's something that I really want to get into about just holistic cleansing of the body. So again, this is the Melanie Connect. Stay tuned for more podcasts. And again, thanks, Raina, for being on the show. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye.